to close out uh, Revelation chapter 11 today, kind of at that halfway mark, and then we take a fast track toward the end of the year with Thanksgiving uh, series and thanks about Thanksgiving and gratefulness, and then a series about Advent and the Nativity, and and then it'll be 2023, y'all. So it'll be quick. I, I, I sympathize with your groans. All right. But what we've been looking at is we've been looking at the various trumpets, the trumpet judgments, which, which are really like warnings. And the warning below of every trumpet has been uh, given to the inhabitants of the earth that Jesus' kingdom is coming. And because it is coming, it is clashing with the kingdom that was here, that is here, the kingdom of this world. And those clashes made grand and terrifying scenes. And we've been talking about those and looking at those. We've been in a little bit of an interlude, but now we are here with the seventh trumpet sound. And the seventh trumpet's blow initiates a loud response mirroring or combating or contrasting with all those others and it is the grand sounds and the loud noises of the inhabitants of the kingdom of God. It's no longer peals of thunder and and war raging, and it is no longer uh, the, the effects of the warning signals, the, the, um, the tornado sirens, if you will, of God's judgment. Now the loud sound that John hears is the loud sound of the people of God lifting their voices to worship Him, to honor Him, to glorify Him. The warnings have turned into worship. And I wonder if we might be able to say the same thing that our choir just so wonderfully sang about. That no matter what comes, no matter the things we face, thy will be done, O God. Your hand and your will be accomplished. We must remember that God is who He says He is, and He will do what He says He will do. And part of that is avenging those who have suffered, and it's also bringing glory back to His kingdom by conquering, by conquering all, and by conquering evil. You see, God has tarried in his judgment, but ultimately he will conquer and he will overcome. Friends, we've been studying this series and in parallel, we've been studying spiritual warfare on Wednesday nights and it's fascinating because I'm not smart enough to plan this. I'm just trying to listen to what God says to do. And as we've been studying each, the same kind of themes arise. That there is a kingdom in whom its leader wants to crush 
and destroy you and me. And Jesus is coming. Not to take sides, but Jesus is coming to take over and overcome and overwhelm that kingdom that wants to clash with us and come against us and seeks to kill and steal and destroy that roaring lion that seeks who he may devour. He's trying to devour you and I. But this beautiful book of Revelation reveals to us that the devil is no match for King Jesus. Amen? The devil is no match for King Jesus, and Jesus is coming, and he does not come to, uh, to make things, uh, uh, you know, fluff things over and make them okay. He comes to ultimately conquer evil. And because of that, he is worthy of our worship. You and I have the opportunity to join in the roar of heaven every time we worship him here. Every time we worship him in this room, every time we are on our own worshiping the Lord, in our prayers at home, and in our trusting God in the midst of the lament of our life that this world gives us and throws at us, even when it's something it seems like we cannot bear, when we worship God and say, Thy will be done, we join in the roar of heaven, exclaiming that we have a king who is better than anything this world can offer, and he deserves our praise. Would you look at me, look with me at the, first, the rest of Revelation chapter 11? And we're going to see here the type of worship that comes when we realize these truths. If you're able, would you stand for honor, for honoring the word of the Lord? We're going to begin in Revelation chapter 11, verse 15. Read along with me. The seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and his Christ. And he will reign forever and ever. The 24 elders who were seated before God on their thrones fell face down and worshiped God, saying, We give you thanks, Lord God, the Almighty, who is and was, because you've taken your great power and have begun to reign. The nations were angry, but your wrath has come. The time has come for the dead to be judged and to give reward to your servants, the prophets, to the saints and to those who fear your name, both small and great. And the time has come to destroy those who destroy the earth. And the temple of God in heaven was opened, and the ark of this covenant appeared in the temple. There were flashes of lightning, rumblings, and peals of thunder, an earthquake, and severe hell. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. And let's look at the type of worship that you and I can have because we worship a God who is worthy. The first thing we see is that we worship the God who overcomes. The worshipers in this passage indicate that King Jesus now takes this world too. 
The kingdom of this world is his, uh, in uh, the kingdom of this world is his in this passage. He rules and reigns here now too. In this picture, we've seen all along the coming kingdom of Jesus Christ is always here. And when he, be, uh, when we'll celebrate the Advent soon, when Jesus came to establish his kingdom, he said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And that's because it was coming. It began coming at that moment. And it's like this thing that was embedded at the bottom of the earth and at the bottom of this other kingdom. And it started to break through. And when those kingdoms clashed and when that kingdom broke out of that cocoon, the world went into turmoil and craziness. And we've seen that all along. We've talked about that all along, that, that Jesus is the coming one. Well, here in this passage, he is being worshipped because he has come and he has conquered and he rules and he reigns. It's been here all along, something veiled. Now it's been, now it's been coming into the light and the crust of the kingdom that is uh, tried to build itself up around it as a mockery of Jesus' kingdom falls away. Now King Jesus has fully taken over. And because he is overcomer, the worshipers in heaven, in this heaven scene, are loudly praising him. You see, Jesus is not merely someone or something that we just add to our lives. Jesus is king, ruling and reigning, and he overcomes. He overcomes whatever we face. Today, can I tell you that Jesus is an overcomer on your behalf? Jesus overcomes in your life, in the life of those who worship him. You see, these people in heaven could worship him because they knew what it was like to, to, to writhe in pain, to have difficulty in their life, to even face death because of their obedience and love and, uh, and because of their devotion to this king. Because it says that the prophets of old and the ones who believe in him and the ones who uh, even have fallen, we see in this heaven scene, they knew what Jesus had overcome for them. They knew what Jesus had overcome on their behalf. He overcomes sin. He overcomes the sting of pain. He overcomes hurts and wrongs done to us. He overcomes the world's hold on us. Yes, you may be in a situation where it seems as if you are down for the count, but Jesus is there standing right next to you, ready to lift you up and hide you behind himself and say to your situation, it may seem as though you have, as though have, you, been, you have been conquered. It may seem like the world is winning at this moment, but I will overcome. I rule and reign over all things. Friends, we worship a God who overcomes. We have hope. We have hope that 
this momentary light affliction will one day result in glory. That the, the identification of ourselves with the sufferings and the pain that Jesus even endured himself will one day end and we will be in his presence and he will rule and reign and those things will be no more. We worship a God who overcomes. The second thing we see is that we worship the reigning king. What the disciples thought Jesus would do in their day was to establish his kingdom on earth and in their time. And he now will do once and for all what they assumed. In this moment, he will finally rule and reign. And he will be king. And he exerts kingly power. It says... It says that the, uh, in this passage, verse 15 and following, the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. The 24 elders who were seated before God on their thrones fell face down and worshiped God, saying, we give thanks, Lord God, the Almighty, who is and was because you've taken your great power and you have begun to reign. It says the nations were angry, but your wrath has come. You see, this world, this word here for power is this this word for reign is to exert kingly power. It's hard for us to understand because we live in, in a time of democracy and it, it, it still is a democracy. Sometimes it doesn't seem like others believe that, right? They're, we understand that. But we don't live in a monarchy where someone, one person can just say, this is how it's going to be, and you have to deal with it. But that is what Jesus will one day exert, his kingly power, and say, I am the Lord God, and this is who I am, and I will rule, and I will reign. When God said that vengeance is mine, says the Lord, this is the moment he meant. Once and for all, he rules over all wickedness. So if we worship him for his rule and reign, we must acknowledge our own hearts need to be ruled by him also. See, this is where the rubber meets the road because we can say all day long, Lord, we worship you. We want you to rule and reign. But there is an inkling in each and every one of us that says, I want to live my life my way. I'll put a little Jesus on it, but I want to rule it like Derek wants it to be ruled. I want to run it like Derek wants to be run, uh, wants his life to be run. The, the fact of the matter is, friends, that Jesus came to rule and reign in our hearts, in our lives, as the king of our lives. And if we're honest, we've messed it up so many times, we realize we are poor kings and queens. We are poor gods, and so we need him to rule and reign in our stead. These worshipers realized any such effort to rule their own lives is folly. And we, too, need to understand we are terrible gods and terrible kings and queens, and we need to now ask Jesus to reign in our lives today. The third thing we see in this passage is we see we worship the God who judges rightly. 
We worship the God who judges rightly. David understood this in Psalm 51 after he was confronted with his sin with Bathsheba and killing Uriah the Hittite. David understood what it meant to repent and he understood who God was and that God never judges wrongly. He says in Psalm 51, Be gracious to me, O God, according to your faithful love, according to your abundant compassion. Blot out my rebellion, completely wash away my guilt, and cleanse me from my sin, for I am conscious of my rebellion, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you alone, I have sinned and done this evil in your sight. So you are right. You are right when you pass sentence. You are blameless when you judge. Friends, there is no judge like Christ because he knows not only our actions, but he knows the thoughts and intentions even of our hearts. And he knows and judges correctly. Because our king is perfect in his judgments, the worshipers in this heaven scene in Revelation 11, worship him because he judges correctly and it says the dead. And they say that it's now the time for him to judge the dead. The dead here are placed in juxtaposition to the saints who will receive a reward. We'll talk about that in just a moment when we close. But we see here that this indicates that the dead that it's mentioning are the opposite of saint. It's the wicked. We understand that God is perfect in his judgments, and there will come a time when he will judge the dead, the lost, the ones apart from Christ, the ones far from Christ, the ones living their lives in wickedness and for their own glory and for their own honor and according to their own ways. Those who have hitched their wagon to this world and remain remained in their wicked state, never receiving the grace of our gracious King. And when that time comes, as it says here, the time is now to judge the dead. When that time comes, it will be too late. It will be too late. You see, while we have breath, while we live on this earth, while these warnings yet have to come fully to fruition, we have the opportunity to trust in the Lord Jesus and to give our lives over to him. We worship a king who knows the thoughts and intentions of our hearts, and he knows our hearts, and he knows that they're lost, and he has offered and extended mercy and grace to anyone who believes, to anyone who will receive him. But in this day, in this moment, when this takes place once and for all, it will be too late. Who do you, who of you here today needs to be made alive in Christ and no longer be 
the dead, but to be made alive in Christ. Who today needs to trust in the grace and the mercy that is extended to each and every one of us from the Lord Jesus Christ because he died on the cross to save you, to give you an opportunity to live with him in eternity forever, to be a worshiper of him, understanding and worshiping him like these people do in this passage. Who in here needs to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sins today so that they can be made alive in him? Friends, don't delay in responding to his grace. Don't delay in responding to his mercy because there will come a day when one day it is too late. Who do you know? Who, who in your life do you burden of? Who, who are you praying for, for their salvation, that they would come to understand the gospel and to understand the, the beauty of the, the death of, the, of Christ and the cross of Christ, so that they too could believe and understand and be made from dead to alive? Who do you know? It could be too late eventually. It will be too late eventually. Don't delay in asking them to come, to be reconciled to Christ. Give them the opportunity. You don't have to go to, the, uh, you don't have to, go to them and beat down their doors and force them. That's not going to work. But can we hold before them the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ as often as we possibly can so that they will too trust in him and be made alive? And then how can we, each and every one of us, be sure that we are not too hitching our wagon to this world, a world that will disappoint, a world that will fade, a world that will fall away and lead us astray if we are not careful. And I pray that we would rather place our faith and trust in the kingdom of Christ, trusting him, and we do that because there is reward. And that's our final point today. That we worship the Savior who rewards the faithful. I want to share some fantastic news with you as we get ready to close. There is a reward awaiting those who have trusted in Jesus Christ and have received his glorious gift of salvation. The Bible tells us that we are joint heirs with him. We are adopted into his family, and whatever has been given to him is also available to you and I. Uh, Paul describes it as the riches in Christ, that we are even seated in the heavenly places in this moment. We're seated, seated there because Christ is seated there, and wherever Christ is, we are. And according to the grace of Christ, no merit on your own or, or, your, or on my own part has afforded that for us. It's simply that we've trusted, that we've been loved and adopted into his family, and because whatever we has been given to him, because we are adopted, is available to you and me. We have reward and the worshipers say that Jesus, uh, it's time for him to judge the dead, but it's time for him to reward the saints. It's time for him to award, reward those who've trusted in him. And so, those riches are available to you and I. I want to pray, and we're going to sing, and we're, gonna tr we're going to... I, I, I'm, I want us to think 
and respond and to acknowledge because we have that opportunity as we've already talked about of joining the roar of heaven even today to say our God is faithful our God is amazing and worthy of our praise and our God will overcome on my behalf let's pray and if God is moving in your life would you respond to him today in worship Lord we love you we praise you Lord we trust you Lord we know that what you have done you have done for your glory but you've done it so that we can know you so that we can be worshipers of yours as well Lord and we know that you still tarry these things haven't fully come to fruition yet because you still are coming you still are establishing your kingdom you still are adding people to it every day and so God may we worship you as Revelation 4 tells us that one day we will gather around the throne we'll sing holy 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 is the Lord God Almighty we get to do that in this moment we get to join the roar of heaven singing the very same words in this moment to sing the very words of Revelation chapter 4 and this song that we're about to sing, Lord, and I pray as we sing, you would be pleased and that we would acknowledge and understand that we are joining in with the throngs of heaven singing as well. We worship you, we praise you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand? We're going to sing this song of how our Savior is worthy.